The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 383, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Thursday, December 8th, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call in number is 347 324 3541. Again, that call in number 347 324 3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. We air live twice a week on Wednesdays, 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific. We cover MMA and wrestling. Thursdays, we switch gears and jump into gaming and entertainment. You can watch this show live by heading over to mtrlive.com or going to rageworks.net and clicking the live button. That will bring you to our live video feed and audio feed. Uh, our videos being simulcast on StreamUp, uh, Restream, Daily Motion. Uh, YouTube, Twitch, and a couple of other places. Sometimes I lose track. Sorry, it happens. In any case, if you are watching it via any of those other services, please head over to mtrlive.com. That way you can participate in the show via the chat room. Uh, audio is streaming to Mixler, which you can listen to on your mobile device. You can download the Mixler app. M-I-X-L-R is how it's spelled. And you can download it for iOS or Android devices. You'll get... Uh, high-quality stereo sound via your mobile device, and you'll be able to listen to the show that way as well. You can also use the call-in number 347-324-3541 to listen to the show that way, but you're going to get lower-quality audio, and if you accidentally hit number one, you will get queued up to participate in the show, and if you're not interested in doing that, you know we want to make sure that we avoid any of those situations. If you're not able to tune into tonight's live show, you can always find it archived in podcast format on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course on RageWorks.net. Video will be on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. All right, a couple of things we want to get into before we get the show started. Uh, First and foremost, uh, if you guys haven't read our announcement on RageWorks.net, the last shows for 2016 will be next week, Uh, December 14th, of course, for MMA and wrestling december 15th for gaming and entertainment so mark it down on your calendars that way you guys won't email me the following week asking 
why there are no live shows because it does happen on occasion, just keeping it out there. But of course, you, all of our other shows will be putting out content during the remainder of December, whether it's TRSS, Call Me When It's Over, Black is the New Black, or even the Variant Issue. There will be other uh, shows generating content, but MTR will wrap up for 2016 next week. We will probably be back the first or second week of January, uh, depending on our scheduling, to do two additional live shows before we go back to podcast-only versions of My Take Radio. If you guys did not read the announcement on RageWorks.net, just a quick reminder that we're going to be moving away from live broadcast for the time being, just to focus on some of our other stuff. Of course, as I've said before, not the end of My Take Radio, just you know, putting the live version of the show on the back burner. This does not mean that we will not do special live episodes, you know, periodically, whether it's for a special guest or uh, something of note or even just milestone episodes, which episode 400 is around the corner. uh, You will uh, obviously see a live broadcast, but the objective is to move to podcast releases of my take radio and the scheduling will more or less remain the same with Wednesdays uploads being for MMA and wrestling and Thursdays we will upload uh, gaming and entertainment editions of MTR so the the schedule while it won't be live will still be the same in terms of uploads Uh, in terms of uploading video once we move away from live formats uh, we're just going to upload a stationary image with the audio to our YouTube channel for you guys to listen to it at your leisure on YouTube, whether it's on a television or a mobile device, we still want to give you guys that opportunity, but there will not be live. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. There will not be recorded video for the podcast, but again, you know, even though I'm not going to be doing video or live shows, we're going to be cranking out other content. Of course, you can still catch me on the variant issue. We'll still be doing my take radio. And of course, we'll still be putting content on the RageWorks YouTube channel. So wanted to get that out of the way. Uh, In addition, a couple of updates. Uh, I mentioned during yesterday's MMA and wrestling show, the RageWorks Network, the RageWork Network's debut on Spotify. Wow, not able to talk correctly tonight. Yes, our debut on Spotify is, we actually received an update recently about it, and we were informed that Spotify's podcast portion is still in beta, and they're, you know, picking shows based on content, et cetera, and then bringing them on board. The goal, obviously, is to roll out the program to everyone, but they are being selective in terms of the shows that are chosen. Nonetheless, we have submitted the RageWorks Network and all of our shows to Spotify, so we are awaiting that. Uh, that's the the most recent update we received. Um, with regards to iHeartRadio, that may be an easier hurdle to overcome And, you know, we're just waiting for the go ahead. Part of the reason why it's been taking so long, I was informed, is because, you know, we do, uh, you know, we do clean content, but we also have, of course, some explicit stuff as well. And explicit, not in like the hardcore pornographic sort of way, but just, you know, strong language. So there's there are there is a section for for media that has strong language. So they want to just make sure that everything is completely up and running on that side before we get moved over. And that's what I was told. You know, one of the things that that slows the process down is if your show has any sort of explicit content, because obviously they got to vet it and make sure that it abides by whatever standards and practices they want to have on their platform. Totally respect it. And, you know, I'll keep you guys posted on that. 
As for our debut on Google Play for podcasts on the Google side of things, uh, that too is moving along. I believe that one's actually a lot closer than even iHeartRadio is. But of course, once we get any additional information, we will hit you guys, whether it's through social media or on the site. Now, a couple of you guys have reached out, you know, if you follow us on Instagram at RageWorks on Instagram. And, you know, we've been doing uh, Instagram videos, Instagram stories about behind the scenes stuff. Been doing it with Snapchat as well. You can find us on Snapchat at RageWorks. And, you know, I've been trying to figure out the voice for those particular mediums. And what I mean is, you know, on our Facebook page and our RageWorks Facebook group, uh, it's just interactions with you guys as a whole, whether it's content or creating conversation about some of the stuff we cover. But on Instagram, it's a little different. Obviously, we we promote the stuff that we showcase. Uh, some some stuff is more personal. I show, I was sharing a lot of my own personal stuff on Instagram for a while, but I ended up separating that and creating my own personal Instagram for that reason and just keeping the RageWorks Instagram dedicated to you know, all the stuff we cover, all the events we're at, you know, technology, et cetera, you know, stuff relevant to what we do and, you know, separating my, my personal stuff out of that. That's one of the things I've been doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I started to do that and we're going to keep doing more of it. Just trying to figure out, like I said, a voice for that content. I know some of you guys that are following us on Snapchat, like more of the behind the scenes stuff, you guys like, you know, seeing some of the technology we use, some of the gear we use. Uh, some of the programs that we recommend, same thing on Instagram. And we're going to try and do more of that as, you know, there's not a set schedule just as when the opportunity presents itself, we'll try and do more of that stuff. I think, um, you know, in 2017, we're going to be a bit more aggressive with our social footprint. I think it's been a tremendous asset in terms of reaching so many of you. I mean, Facebook, even though the algorithm constantly changes has been, you know, amazing, uh, Twitter, Twitter's kind of fallen off a bit. I think it's mostly because a lot of the stuff on Twitter, it becomes more something you have to manage consistently. So for me, I am on Twitter and I'm, and I update our Twitter on, you know, on more than one occasion, but I am also managing three Twitter accounts. Uh, we're obviously managing rage underscore works, uh, the, my take radio one and the Twitter account for the variant issue which if you haven't followed the variant issue on Twitter, please do so. Uh, you know, we're just trying, trying, like I said, to make sure everybody's covered. All of our shows have a presence on Twitter. You can follow Josie's boy on, on Twitter and Instagram for call me when it's over J Santi and TRSS. You can follow on numerous social media platforms. Same thing with black is the new black. You can follow Ben and Taylor and um, you can follow me and Jimbo slice, of course, on Instagram so we we each have a presence out there, but I'm just trying in terms of RageWorks as an entity to, you know, kind of establish a baseline. And, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things we're going to focus on in 2017. But with that said, that pretty much is all the housekeeping, all the stuff I did want to share with you guys. Oh, actually, let me let me re- correct myself right there. There is two other things. First and foremost, we got our Star Wars Black Series contest going on. We uh, partnered up with Entertainment Earth to give you guys a Star Wars uh, Clone Trooper box set exclusive to Entertainment Earth. That giveaway is currently uh, going on, and you're able to participate by heading over to RageWorks. You'll be able to see the entry there and participate that way. And like I said, the prize is the Clone Trooper box set, which Entertainment Earth will ship out to one lucky winner. 
Now, the contest is going to go on until next Wednesday at 11.59 p.m., and we will be announcing the winner on our December 15th show. Uh, myself and Jimbo Slice are also working with our friends at Newberry Comics for a 12 Days of Christmas giveaway where we will be giving away uh, gift cards from Newberry Comics to you know lucky people once a day. So you know we're going to put details on RageWorks.net, which you should be seeing next week. And we're going to do a daily giveaway all the way through Christmas Day with a gift card for new to Newberry Comics. Uh, the denominations are a mystery, so you never know what you're going to get. And, um, you know, we're going to do one giveaway daily. We're going to do a couple of different things. Uh, you know, we we started something on episode five of the variant issue this week with a golden ticket that gives you an opportunity to get an entry right in the door. And, of course, the person with the correct entry will obviously be one of the will be eligible to be selected to win that gift card. So, again, Keep it locked to RageWorks for that contest when it goes live next week. Uh, the Star Wars contest, as I said, is still in effect. You can find the information out by heading over to RageWorks.net. We also pinned it on our Facebook fan page, so you can check out the details there. It's also on Instagram, so it's all over the place. Um, if you're looking to win an awesome prize and you're a big Star Wars fan, definitely keep an eye out for that. All right. So on deck tonight, we got the gaming news of the week. We are going to talk about console sales for the month of November. Now that some of the MPD data is starting to trickle out, uh, I am going to talk about the Nintendo Switch and uh, its debut on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, which we shared on RageWorks.net. Uh, I want to share my thoughts on that because it's been rather mixed uh, in all the different places that I've shared that, that, that piece. You know, people have... Uh, mixed mixed reviews, so I want to kind of break that down. Uh, some of the other regular gaming news of the week, I, I'm sure Slick is going to have some stuff he's going to want to add. On the entertainment side, things are a little quiet as we start winding down 2016. You know, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, we got the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer, which should be on deck very, very soon. Of course, you'll be able to see that on RageWorks.net very shortly as well. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, Fast, fast, bleh, fast 8, which has a trailer dropping this weekend and of course i want to share my thoughts on some of the other stuff that i've seen and the entertainment news of the week but again we're not gonna we're not gonna beat it up too much we're gonna try and keep it as usual 90 minutes that's the goal let's get to it let's talk some games so i you know i want to talk about pewdiepie who many of you know is probably one of the most, you know, recognizable YouTubers in the game. Uh, it's been recently announced that I believe he made, I, I'm hearing $15 million this year uh, with via YouTube. And, you know, it, it's been it's been interesting because there's been a lot of news articles and speculation that he plans on deleting his channel, uh, which is, you know, extremely interesting. I, I wanted to open up with this story because... I feel that, you know, a guy like PewDiePie, a lot of people look at him and they're like, oh, you know, this fucking guy, he plays games. That's all he makes money on. What the hell? Why? Why can't I do that? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The the thing is, without getting, you know, super technical, you know, the thing about YouTube and Twitch and all of these mediums, even Instagram and everything else, it's one of those things where, you know, you got to keep 
you know, to to use uh, a, a phrase made popular by by Gary Vaynerchuk, jab, 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 right hook. And you got to keep, you know, pressing on and pressing on and creating content and creating content. And eventually either it resonates with people or it doesn't. But you have, you know, consistency is key. And a guy like PewDiePie, that guy is the epitome of consistency. This guy, you know, his videos continue to improve. You know, the way he handles the gameplay continues to improve. And people, they just gravitate towards his character. I know a lot of people that say, oh, you know, I'm not a fan of him screaming and all this shit. But you have to look at what brought that guy to the dance. You know, he was one of those guys that put out videos and, you know, they were weird. They were quirky. Were they the best or the worst? Obviously, it's open to interpretation. But what gets me is that the amount of weight that a guy like PewDiePie has. And, you know, I've been reading a a lot about, you know, influencer marketing and how in 2016, influencer marketing has become uh, a very big deal. Companies are looking now at influencers as ways to get their product out there versus, you know, paying for a commercial or paying for the conventional mediums. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand how that works. So, you know, I want I obviously want to discuss it when it comes to video games, but I also want to share how it is just in general. I'll give you guys an example. Um, on Monday Night Raw, uh, a guy like Enzo Amore uh, wears various, you know, Nike sneakers, whether it's Jordans, whatever. And the thing is, you know, sneakers, sneakers are a big thing. Uh, they're starting to really just hit their stride uh, on, on, you know, mainstream television. And people are starting to look at that now as a big thing. So, you know, Shane McMahon, Enzo, these guys, they were different Nikes, whether it's Jordans or, uh, you know, whatever other hot shoe, even the New Day are starting to get into that as well. Kofi Kingston in particular. And the thing is that if you follow these guys on social media, you'll see that Nike will send them sneakers. You know, Shane McMahon gets like custom sneakers. Uh, Enzo gets sneakers from Nike or Champ Sports or whatever the case may be. He wears them on air and then everybody's like, oh, look at those sneakers, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that that's become its own thing. And that, my friends, is influencer marketing. That's that's essentially what it is. It's it's going past the conventional, oh, let's pay for some ad space or let's buy an ad in a magazine or, you know, those days are over. If you guys remember in the old days with video games, you'd, you'd read EGM or GameSpot or whatever other magazine, you know, PSM was a good one at the time. And there would be ads for all these games and you would be excited to pick up the latest EGM and thumb through it. And you see these advertisements and all that stuff. But, you know, that's that's no longer the case. I mean, even with websites, even with us at Rageworks, you know, we get we get products, we showcase them and we get pitched a decent amount of things because, you know, we have a platform that reaches people that is considered to be viable. And the thing is, a guy like PewDiePie when a company gives him a game, sure, they want him to play it and they want him to carry on and usually do his own thing. But they view PewDiePie as an influencer in the sense that he has 7 million people in the palm of his hand that they can beta test or they can, co- you know, they can collect data off of for whatever they're trying to do. I, I mean, you know, uh, th- there was an, a new story a couple of months back, which we talked about, about, you know, uh, people, the shadow of Mordor reviewers being paid to give the game favorable reviews even though the game was very good and that's one of those things where guys like PewDiePie 
they they're useful. I mean, whether PewDiePie accepted or took money for the review, who knows? But it that's something we may never find out. But the fact is that everybody who you are watching on YouTube or Twitch, even even myself and Slick, you know, it's all influencer marketing. You know, the publishers want us to show you this stuff, obviously by being still our most genuine selves, but they see that there is opportunity in reaching people via this medium in the old days it was a lot different where you know you'd have to really go out of your way and you'd have to be an established site to get certain things and now you know you you put in the work you put in the work you embrace the grind you stay consistent and you get recognition for it some more than others but that's you know that's a separate story for another day now the reasoning why i'm talking about this is because obviously this uh you know, we got to see The Tonight Show yesterday, and Jimmy Fallon had Reggie fils on, and of course, Shigeru Miyamoto was there, and we got to see Super Mario run for iOS, and we also got to see brand new Nintendo Switch and Legend of, and the new Legend of Zelda. Now, a lot of people were bent out of shape about, you know, the game, the way it was presented, blah, 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 blah. Let me, let me explain something to you guys. If you go on Facebook any day of the week, or if you read any entertainment blogs or websites, you will always see video clips from Jimmy Fallon's show. The only other guy that I feel is close is Jimmy Kimmel on occasion and James Corden as well. And these guys, they obviously create this content, but they also create content that is shareable and it creates brand awareness. Yes. You know, Nintendo could have gone and said, oh, you know, we're going to go and uh, we're going to go and we're going to pay for E3 or we're going to pay for, you know, X event or Y event or we could do something at the Nintendo store. You know, we could do all of the conventional stuff or we could find a guy who's into our stuff, go and leverage his audience and get people interested. Now, you know, some people were saying that Fallon was, you know, he had manufactured hype, you know, it, it. that we'll never know for sure. I mean, I've always heard that Jimmy Fallon is a legit gamer. Uh, he definitely knew his shit, whether it was because he did, you know, he got prepped beforehand or he was a genuine fan again, open for interpretation. But what I took from that is that we're go- we're well past the days of, I remember when the, the debut commercial for super Mario three came out you know, everybody was like, oh, you got to tune in channel five or channel four, whatever it was at that time at X time. And you got to watch like the Simpsons and you'll get your first look at Super Mario three. And of course, they show the commercial, which if you pl- if you saw the movie, The Wizard, you you know that Super Mario three was a big fucking deal. But in any case, the commercial aired, everybody went crazy. And that was it. You had 30 seconds to grab everyone's attention and create buzz. In the case of Nintendo, they brought the, the console to Fallon. They showcased, obviously, Super Mario Run. Uh, that little video was chopped up. Shigeru Miyamoto played the Mario theme with the roots. That was also chopped up. And before you knew it, we were sharing the video. Countless other media outlets were sharing the video. And it was all over Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else like that. You can't. Yeah, sure. You could buy. You can have an advertising agency go and put an ad out, and all the usual shit, but all it took was 30 seconds, 30 seconds of time, you know, and, and a console in a fucking suitcase to, to get, to get the attention 
that you wanted today. Now, I'm going to you know discuss this with Slick. I'm going to bring him on board. Mr. Slick, what's the deal? What's good, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's, you know, it was uh it's been an interesting 24 hours on the gaming side of things. Um as I was saying with, you know, with with what they did at the Tonight Show, a lot of people were, you know, unimpressed is 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 a, a word I've seen thrown around uh either because of the presentation or because it just felt manufactured or because it was just a poor place to showcase it, but I personally felt that you were leveraging something that is popular because as much as whether you love Jimmy Fallon or hate him, Jimmy Fallon is the, you know, the Johnny Carson for our generation. You know what I mean? He He's the guy that resonates with us in the similar age group, likes a lot of the same shit, has the same level of excitement. And, you know, it's that's how it goes. The same people that are all about Stephen Colbert, the same people that are all about X, Y, Z. It's it's the same deal, you know? I hear you, man. And I I uh, wanted to touch on one thing you mentioned regarding that, saying, you know, obviously neither of us know Jimmy Fallon. Right. So we don't know whether <clears throat> he's a legit gamer or not. I say, honestly, at this point, it doesn't matter because look at Conan, the clueless gamer. An amazing segment. Hilarious. That, what, what happened? I said it's an that's an amazing segment. Because it genuinely just takes advantage of the fact that he doesn't know shit. It's it's great. Exactly. Exactly my point. And that's the that's the whole stick of his thing. It's like you you give Jimmy Fallon this, and you're like, oh, he whether he is or he isn't a gamer, who fucking cares? They gave Conan Final Fantasy fifteen. That's right. But someone who calls himself the clueless gamer, that's like the worst shit in the world to give them. That's like you know what, I'm not even going to say what I was about to say because it's political and I'm not going in. But that's like giving a complete idiot the red button. Right. I I look at it like this. So it's like, it, it doesn't matter whether he's a gamer or not. And people were saying that I'm impressed. I personally did not see it. And that's just my personal thing because I don't really watch late night talk shows. And plus, I try to keep trailers to a minimum, even though it's part of my job. Just because they just spoil everything, in right. my opinion. But the thing is, people are saying they're unimpressed. Yeah, okay, you're unimpressed, so what? I mean, when the game comes out, odds are you're still going to play it. Yeah. It's Mario, because it's Nintendo. Sure. And regardless of what you say about the Wii and the Wii U, look at how many consoles each one of them sold. Yeah, the Wii U may not have sold as many as the Wii, who pushed millions. Right. Well, I got to say this, and this is this is what I was saying before. When when it comes to consoles, games, the the advertising that you're utilizing nowadays is substantially different across the board. And I I mean, I'm going to use a, a, another example. Right now, everybody was waiting for Spider-Man Homecoming. Everybody was excited for it, and they they showed the trailer on Jimmy Kimmel. People didn't understand Yes, you could put the trailer online and you could watch it and that's great. But by putting the trailer on a show like Jimmy Kimmel, guess what you do? People tune into a show that maybe they didn't check out. And if, you know, it it allows it allows ABC, which is owned by Disney, to leverage another property that they have to generate again a buzz thing, to separate you from your money. It's not just that. When you put it, if you're going to debut a trailer like Spider-Man or any 
mainstream Marvel movie, and I say mainstream by the ones that are primarily handled by, you know, Disney right. Marvel versus Fox Marvel. Right. And, um, or even Sony Marvel. But um, if you put it on, let's say, God forbid, let's say we were lucky, and they said worldwide, the trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming will air on my take radio's Thursday episode. Right. And of course, uh, we fucking crash if that happened, but of course, I mean, we'd still love it. Right. But the fact remains that whether people loved it or hated it, you have scores and scores of people watching it at the same exact time. Right. That is important in and of itself because that generates a flood of buzz. Like when you see people saying, Oh, I can't go on Facebook tonight because I don't want to. I'm going to miss The Walking Dead, and I don't want to see spoilers. Right. I can't go on between such and such hours. Right. It floods social media at a given time. Correct. That in itself creates a you know a buzz. But this goes back to what I was saying. You know the 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 advertising uh, approach has changed so much for gaming. I mean, like I said, guys like PewDiePie are they they help the medium you know individuals like i justine individual you know very you know m mkbhd which is another guy or mkdhd i always mess up that guy's initials but again these are these are individuals that it's not it's not that these companies are handing them the shit it's the fact that these guys are giving you a presentation that resonates with you like i do unboxing videos in the old days, I was like, what the fuck is, is who cares? But now that I, that I do all this stuff on a, on a, you know, not a full-time basis, but practically close, I understand that there's value in that because people want to see, Hey, you know, what comes in the box? Hey, I don't want some, some sales guy to tell me some bullshit to try and sell me on it. How many times is that, is that important in, 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 you know, in purchasing? And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because sometimes there's stuff in the box that you don't even realize. Right. Like what happened to me with Dishonored 2. That's right. I didn't know Dishonored 1 was in it. And here's the other thing. Yes, Apple did show Super Mario 1 at their trade show event, you know, at their Apple event, and everybody was excited. And sure, people that were nerds like like us are going to watch those events. But like John Q. Public, casual gamer person may not even know about that. So they may be thumbing through or watching Jimmy Fallon for whatever reason. And they're like, oh, shit, that's pretty cool. You see what I'm saying? You're not you're not trying to grab the guys like us. You're trying to grab the lady who grew up playing Nintendo. Right. That grew up playing Nintendo that now has a commute in the morning. Now you just gave that lady something that she may want to play during her commute. And you just did. You just converted a customer. Now with the Nintendo Switch, it's a little different because obviously it was it was a big reveal, you know, and you got to show Zelda and you got to show a lot of the features that the console had. And yeah, Jimmy Fallon, he was super super hype, like like a little over the top in the sense of is this guy really excited or is he just doing the the, the hard sell? But in any case, guess what? That studio audience that was there learned something that even most media outlets were still trying to figure out. And guess what that was? When can I buy it? Because that's one of the things Reggie said, oh, we brought the Nintendo Switch. You guys will be able to pick that up in stores in March. 
And that was the bigger story. You see what I'm saying? And that actually is, I want to say it's huge. It's not as huge just because of how the, the switch is presenting itself. Right. You know, being right. portable, it seems like it, it, pro, it it's going to depend on your TV, but not as much as, say, a PlayStation or an Xbox. Correct. But you always have mentioned that, pardon me, is an upturn, not just like right now, but there's an upturn in TV sales around February. Yep. So a bunch of people buy brand new TVs in February. If they didn't already do it in February, guess what they might be doing in March? Buying a new console. That's right. And guess what March is? Fucking dead for anything. And also, I mean, a lot of people get in the February. Then there's always the people that straggle and then the people who take to the last second. But March is in the middle of uh, hood rich season. That's right. Yep. Tax season. 100%. But while we're on the so people are going to have a little bit of cash in their pocket. That's right. Say, fuck it. Let me spend two hundred and fifty dollars and get a switch. That's right. Now, a couple of things. And the reason where this this is all going towards something else, which is, uh, you know, MPD put out a couple of numbers and obviously the game sales are still kind of floating around, not fully complete. Hopefully we'll have firm numbers uh, next week. But one of the things that everybody was talking about is how much Sony outsold the Xbox One during the Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Um, you know, they said that the PS4 was the top selling electronics product, followed by the Xbox One. Both consoles outsold Samsung 4K TVs, Apple iPods, and Amazon's Fire products. However, Microsoft did get a win wow. on Black Friday, according to VentureBeat, where it outsold the PS4 on Black Friday. The PS4 is still ahead. For the month of November, most likely because of the PS4 Pro, which has the 4K included. But Microsoft did get a win on Black Friday. So a couple of things I want to I want to talk about with that. First off, Microsoft was a lot more aggressive for Black Friday. Sony was aggressive, but Sony yes, knew. Huh? What was that? I said, yes, they were. Yep, they were. They were ultra aggressive price cuts, bundles. You, you, you We talked about it all the way up until the holiday, how much, you know, Microsoft was really going in the paint in terms of just getting more and more consoles out there. And the thing is that, you know, by giving people the Xbox One S and telling them, hey, you can watch 4K movies, you inadvertently, and I don't even say that because you know what? Everybody's in bed with everybody. You you essentially guaranteed that if people wanted to get the most out of the system, they would buy what on Black Friday? A TV. Very good. And gee, uh, what? A 4K TV. There you go. How? Because all you saw in every circular from every retailer was what on sale? 4K TVs. There you go. So think about I'm it. I'm actually surprised that that Sony didn't try to leverage. Like, let's say, let's make the, you know, not even all of our TVs. Let's make one model specifically for the PS4 Pro. Right. I thought they would have tried something like that. They would have killed it. Well, if they made a bundle with, let's say, anything that was between 50 to 60 inches. Right. And bundled it with a PS4 Pro for Black Friday for, let's say, let's say $800. Well, here's here's the... It's funny you should mention that because there were a couple of retailers that were doing... 
uh, interesting little tactics like that, where if you bought a 70 inch, you know, Sony TV, you would get a PlayStation four, not a PS four pro, but you would get a PlayStation four for free or, you know, things that there were little, little deals and little incentives like that, that were going on. But I, I do have to agree with you that Sony should have leveraged what they already have, which is fucking TVs and say, Hey, here's what we're going to do. If you buy a PS4 Pro at Best Buy with this 4K TV, which is going to give you the best experience possible, we'll give you the TV, PS4 Pro, and one 4K, you know, one PS4 Pro uh, up upscaled game. Dude, they would have, like you said, they would have killed it. I want to take it even further, and that's why I always say maybe I miss my calling for, for advertising. If I were in Sony, even if I didn't do it for Black Friday, I would have done this at PSX last week. I would have said, for Christmas, you get a PS4 Pro and you get, we're going to call it, because you know, their, their model numbers are ridiculous with the letters and numbers. Right. Let's just call it the Sony HDR Pro. Right. A PS4 Pro and an HDR Pro bundle with you know, Uncharted 4 or even better, let's take it to 2017. The Pro bundle, right. the PS4 Pro, the HDR Pro, and a voucher f- to download Horizon Zero Dawn on launch. Right. $800. Yep. No, I'm with you. And the thing is that... They it, would fucking murder it. Yep. No, they, they would, but there's a couple of extra things I want to put out there. Obviously, like I said, PS4 was the top-selling console in November. But the funny thing was that, you know, the Xbox was actually outselling the PS4 for like a couple of months straight, obviously because of the Xbox One S. Now, PlayStation, of course, made sure to, you know, pretty much beat their chest and let everyone know that they have already sold 50 million PlayStation 4s. This figure obviously is comprised of the PS4, PS4 Pro, and the slim PS4, but the thing is that that 50 million milestone took only three years for Sony to make versus the PlayStation 3, which took four and a half years to hit that milestone. How insane is that? That I mean, just it's a testament yep. that the PS4 Pro, the PS4 was it has advantages. I don't want to call it a better console than the PS3 overall, right? Because each one of them has their ups and downs. Like I have a friend who picked up that LG P2 we were talking about. Yep, and he had some problems streaming to the PS3 because. Obviously, the PS3 can't turn off HDCP. Right. And the LG P2 doesn't have that AV cable that the original had. Right. The the, the uh, to bypass that that's you, another issue. You got to use the uh, the older Elgato, which is the one I have, which um, has a cable that you plug into the uh, the PS3 that'll help you bypass that. Yeah, the the original LG P has the same cable. Oh, okay. Got but, it. Um, that's that's a whole different issue. Right. But um, he just used a splitter, which is not, it, it's quote unquote frowned upon. Of course. <laughs> but I gotta, I gotta say, you know, that, you know, Microsoft and Sony have done an amazing job. And Microsoft even went as far as saying in a statement that they put out recently that they're going to, they're going to extend their $50 off all Xbox one S consoles beginning December 11th. Oh, gee, right before the the really busy season for Christmas to the point where I've said I've been debating. Absolutely. 
where I was debating and I told you this, I was like, oh, you know, I told you I was going to buy an Xbox One S and bring my Xbox into the studio to to record and do stuff. And then I said to myself, maybe I'm, I'll just trade in my Xbox, get the Xbox One S now. And then when the Scorpio comes out, bring the Xbox One S downstairs because, you know, at that rate. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've really I've still and again, guys, this is personal. Everybody thinks I hate Microsoft. I don't. I really like them. It's just that they haven't they haven't allowed me yet. They still haven't. It's like up until what Gears Four came out, what was the biggest game for and I say this as exclusives. What was the biggest game for Xbox One in two thousand sixteen? Halo. Quantum Break. And Halo. Halo I'm sorry, Halo, but Halo didn't really get as much mention as Gears of Four or Quantum Break that I saw. Well, that's because and they got fucking lazy with the advertising. Like, Let's be honest. It's like it's they just use the words it's Halo. <laughs> it's like you take these three games, which were like their big games for 2016, and it sounds like Jay Z singing the Takeover, talking about Nas. You have Halo, which. Nobody really even fucking knew about. I mean, well, they knew about it, but nobody really talked about. Right. You have, you have um, Quantum Break, which, if you look around, it's very quickly making top ten lists for worst games of 2016. Right. And you have Gears of War 4, which people seem to love. Yeah, it was re- really that's good. Like that's a one hot album every 10-year average, and that's so lame. Well, here's here's what I got to say to that, and it's something I said to you months ago. I said the console fee, the 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 playing field when it comes to consoles as much as people want don't want to admit it is fucking even. It's even. The only thing that separates one from the other are the exclusives. That's it. Cuz think about it. Both consoles Absolutely. play Blu-rays. I agree. You know, both consoles play Blu-rays. Both consoles, you can watch YouTube. You can watch fucking porn. You can watch digital content. You can watch Netflix. You can watch HBO. You could do all that shit that, you know, one one console used to shit on the other for being able to do. You could do all that now. But guess what? When Madden comes out, it's being played on a PS4, and it's being played on an Xbox One. When Call of Duty comes out, even if it's, you know, a timed exclusive, it is still being played on both consoles. When Overwatch dropped, being played on both consoles. And that's that, that's the thing that people, you know, there's all these people beefing about numbers and sales and this and that. At the end of the day, man, I always look at it, and you've seen, I use what gives me what I'm looking for. And yes, I own both Thank systems. You. I play both systems. I have some games on one. I have some games on the other. Let me let me use that to segue into the new Marvel versus Capcom, because after that announcement happened, they said, hey, you could download Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom on your PS4. And what the fuck was I doing? Downloading Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom on my PS4, even though I own it on my Xbox. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't fucking matter. A game like that, especially if you can get it for free, why wouldn't you get it on both? Exactly, you know, and the, but that's what I mean. Like, I ended up getting it, uh, you know, it was 20 whatever, $22 still. But you get to play it on the PS4, and that's the, that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. Because guess what I did? I took my disc-based version 
from the older console and I sold it because, gee, I now have it on my newer console. So why bother owning it on two consoles? You get what I'm saying? I hear you. And that's that's the thing that gets me. Everybody's all up in arms. Oh, do you see Sony's whooping Microsoft's ass and blah, blah, blah. Microsoft was winning for th- for four months. So what the fuck does that tell you? At the end of the day, it's I don't even look at it. I personally don't even look at it as winning or losing because honestly, it puts zero dollars in my pocket. Exactly. I but, just look at it as which company has what I want. Precisely. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like at the end of the day, the fight for, for console supremacy isn't gonna be based on who sells more. It's gonna be based on which third party is gonna bring the dopest shit to that console. Period. That's it. At the end of the day, that's all it's going to be. It's going to be who whose third party relationships are going to be the best. And in 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 some capacity, I got to say that Sony's faring better. You know, they got Uncharted. They got got to say that in terms of third party, I would kind of disagree because getting that exclusive can backfire on you, which it it's was just recently proven heavily because. Rise of the Tomb Raider, Microsoft got that time console exclusivity. Oh, yeah, of course. Biting them in the ass right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's never going to be 100%. First on Xbox One, then it went to PC. Right. Now the 20-year celebration version with all the extra shit and shit that wasn't even out on, on the older versions came out of PS4. And, yeah, if you have a PC, you can get that version as well. But if you got an Xbox One, you're sitting there with the 2015 version, and yeah, don't don't misunderstand. It's never going to be foolproof. But I'm also saying it from the standpoint of, you know, you're look at look at Capcom right now. You know, Capcom is you know, Sony's bet loving it right now because think about it. The Capcom Cup, Evo, all this stuff. Guess what? What all those games are being played on PlayStation fours. It's working for Sony, but honestly, I feel like Capcom is gasping for air right now. And I don't know what their financial situation is, but all they keep doing is dropping old shit. And yeah, they've been coming out with Marvel vs. Capcom um, 4, but when is that coming? It's like, when are you going to actually, because there was a report of them possibly trying to to um, manage older franchises and stuff. Right. When are you going to actually bring out some franchises that the the fighting community is really looking for? And when are you going to stop jerking us around with street fighting? Yeah. Well, I mean, that you know, uh, and that's a that's a good way to segue into obviously the Akuma announcement, which is going to be part of the next season. Which uh, uh, begrudgingly, I'm going to have to fucking either man up and start playing it to get them battle points. Or spend you know four but four or five dollars to get them, but um, you know that's a, that, the thing that I took from that entire announcement. First of all, let me say this, Captain Marvel, I was fucking right. Just just putting that out there. You're absolutely right. When as soon as I saw it, I, I thought of you. Yep, because it's like one hundred percent correct. It's like oh look, let's just take the characters that are going to be on screen. And, and and again, I'm not saying that to. To, to you know to toot my own horn which i can but uh the, the fact is that i knew what was coming and i and like i said marvel is already done this by pilot testing it in in the third game 
It's like Rocket Raccoon out of nowhere. Like, why is this talking raccoon in this game when there's so many awesome characters? Oh, well, he's going to be in a fucking movie. Toot your vuvuzela all you want, my good friend. That's it. I just, I just felt that, you know, the PlayStation experience was Sony's way of reminding people that we just sold 50 million consoles and we got a lot of dope shit <laughs> on deck. It's like Sony is, this is what Sony's doing right now, which maybe Microsoft should take notice and do some of. They're, they're doing so well, even with shit that is not necessarily theirs because, you know, third party is yep. third party. They're putting out shit for free. Yep. Let it die. The, basically the joke version of fucking Dark Souls. Yep. It's like Dark Souls mixed with Lollipop Chainsaw. Yep. And they're like, here, it's fucking free. Free to play. That's right. But basically, it's fucking free because most of the shit that you need, you can just play the game to get. And the other thing is that Sony took advantage of showcasing, of course, all the big properties like Uncharted. They're like, oh, yeah, we got another Uncharted game for that ass. What'd you think? It was over? You're yep. crazy. And, and and I saw that. And, and as a fan, I'm like, oh, I'm going to play that shit because that's how it goes. It, it, at the end of the day, these companies have to create franchises that connect with the gamer. And even though Uncharted connects with gamers and Halo and Call of Duty and Street Fighter, you know, it's it. Those are they, they are connecting with gamers because of the visuals and the story. It's, it's different when you create an iconic character, which in Nintendo's case, think about it. Everybody's going to go and play Mario on iOS the same way that they've played Mario on the DS, the same way they've played Mario on every other system, because it's Mario. And as much as I love as much as I love Microsoft and PlayStation and Sony, they don't have their Mario. They don't got it. The closest PlayStation has is Sackboy. Started out kind of having that. Yeah. Whatever. They did. Remember, they had Crash Bandicoot. They tried with Crash Bandicoot. He was the big thing. And then that fell by the wayside. Then Spyro was kind of like the thing. That fell by the wayside. Then it was like, well, we're just going to be more grown up and it'll be fucking Kratos. And that was it. It's like every the, the character that resonates with people is the guy that pretty much decapitates and kills everyone on contact. Good times. There you go. I just I just felt that the PlayStation experience was something that that uh, once again leveraging 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 the the audience that you have in front of you without even spending a dime. I agree. I mean, I thought I mean, the whole thing is that they and they were very smart with it. They didn't say anything at the time, but titling Uncharted for a thief end Essentially, just meant that it was the end of the story for Drake. Correct. Doesn't mean it's the Correct. end of the Uncharted series. Bingo. Because Uncharted Bingo. is Uncharted, and while it's always star Drake, it doesn't mean that it has to just be Drake. Just like God of War. Precisely. In God of War One and all the God of Wars after that, you played as Kratos. But in the original game, who was Kratos? Kratos was just a Spartan soldier that made a really bad fucking deal. That's right. It wasn't until the end of the game that he became the God of War by killing Ares. Correct. And that's what I'm saying. And the now you have a new game titled God of War where he's training his son. Yep. Hmm, what does it look like Sony's about to do? 
keep it moving and introduce a brand new character to keep the story going the same way that they did with Marcus Phoenix's son in Gears 4. Same deal. Pass it in the fucking torch. That's right. Now, and and this is, you know, I'm going to move into the next story before we, we wrap things up. I got to say, you know, Telltale's announcement for, for the Guardians of the Galaxy game was pretty dope. You know, Telltale gave us a little bit of DC on the Batman side. Now we're getting hit with a little Marvel on the Guardian side. Um, you know, that's that that's Telltale just continuing to be a kick-ass company and doing dope shit. Uh, the thing that, that has bothered me this week is what I heard about the next Assassin's Creed game where uh, Ubisoft Chief Creative Officer Serge Haskaset said, and he kind of alluded to that the next Assassin's Creed game will not have a campaign mode. He said, the, uh, yeah, he said the game is becoming less important. What interests me is to make worlds that are interesting to me, even as a tourist. I don't want the player to go through a story created by someone. We have games like that still, but I ask more and more that we let the player write their own story, that they set some, that they set themselves a long-term goal, identify the opportunities that are open to them and choose not to follow a path that was decided for them. And, you know, he said, you know, that they want to do more of an open world game, which when you look at GTA, I can understand that. But I also got to remind people that even GTA had some sort of a story. No, not some sort of a story. GTA 5 specifically has a story mode that is in excess of 40 hours there you go. Play it from start to finish and complete it. That's without playing a second of GTA Online because, as I say it all the time, GTA Online is a different game from GTA 5. There you go. When you pick up that GTA 5 box, you get two games. Yep, you get the online component and then you get the other the, the other experience. I just, I just want to say that with Assassin's Creed, one of the things that has brought people into into the into this game has always been the amazing story and narrative. you know the narrative is important i mean don't get me wrong the narrative has fallen by the wayside in in all the other games but i kind of felt that on the last one they they recaptured a lot of that you know the one that took place in england they did a really really good job you know controlling the gangs and 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 leveraging that particular era to do stuff and i thought that i was like wow that's that's really good it 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 washed away the stench of of the other games so to speak not that the other games weren't any good i just felt that the other games were missing what what etsio what etsio story brought to the table ubisoft and they can get mad at me if they want this is slick talking this is not my take radio or rage works or whatever. Ubisoft really is sniffing their own ass lately. They 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 really have to I get it that everything's online right now. I get that. Right. But they're just trying to make everything online. I've been playing Watch Dogs too lately. It's like there's not much to the game. I played it for two days and had over half the trophies right. without even starting the story mode yet. And the story mode's not that long. Well, there you go. And the biggest part of it is that the game, you can, and to be fair, you can turn it off, but the game kind of forces you to always be online. It's like, even if I'm playing by myself, because there are co-op 
opportunities, you can't pause the game. It doesn't even make any sense to me. Yep. If I hit the option button, you know, PlayStation controller, that just brings up my cell phone. If I hit the touch screen, the, the touchpad, that just brings up my map. Nothing actually pauses the game. Right. I and just... During that time, if I do that, if I'm not careful, somebody will come into my game and basically jack me. No, I think I think that the problem is that either you, you they we lose sight of what made the games that we love enjoyable, or we want more that isn't uh, that isn't necessary. Case in point: Hey, we're going to give Uncharted a multiplayer mode. Why? You know what I'm saying? Well, actually, I mean, and while I do agree with you on that, a lot of people actually seem to like oh, no, the multiplayer mode of Uncharted. They do, but I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things, what brought people to the game was the amazing story and everything that, that, came, that came with it. Now, I feel that, hey, we're going to do multiplayer. Yes, you want to do it to keep people engaged, but at the end of the day, you're not going, it's, not, it's not the backbone of the game. You're not going to go and and log into the game a year and a half later and find the same amount of people playing that game than, say, you know, Call of Duty or Gears or Overwatch. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, we're going to put this in there and people will play it and it's fun, but it's not it's not what brought people to the dance in the first place. And what happens is that publishers, they see that and developers, they see that. They're like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to add this, this and this. And it's not, you know, sometimes you end up adding to the to your detriment. Like in the case of Assassin's Creed, when they started doing Brotherhood and they started doing all that stuff, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, you have a, it's the League of Assassins. You know, you have a League of, of people you can play with. It was cool. But at the end of the day, what brought people to the dance was the story and the visuals and seeing, you know, uh, Italy and, 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 you know, seeing England and seeing, uh, you know, the, the U.S. in its in its infancy. You know what I'm saying? It's funny that you mentioned that because, what do you call it? One game that where it was the narrative that brought us in is Tomb Raider. That's right. And when Tomb Raider got its reboot, they, they had a multiplayer and everybody was like, why? Exactly. And guess what? Rise of the Tomb Raider does have a co-op not a full multiplayer, but it does have a co-op mode. Well, co-op is all right. Survival with another person. It doesn't have a multiplayer anymore. I think co-op they is... They learn from their mistakes, which I wish Ubisoft would start doing. Like, they... they the problem with Ubisoft, that at least that I have, is that Ubisoft does what it wants to do. It doesn't necessarily do what the crowd is asking for. And right. that's the biggest problem that I personally see with them. Maybe people disagree with me and maybe that's why they still do it, but that's what I'm seeing personally. I th- and with, um, with the Assassin's Creed series, yeah, there's a brotherhood, there's a league of assassins, but at the same time, if you look at that story from its beginning, going through Ezio and, you know, going to Assassin's Creed three, even, even though there is a League of Assassins, every assassin works alone. Right. But here's so multiplayer in the scheme of the story that they created. Isn't necessary. No sense at all. No, it's not that it isn't necessary. It makes no sense at all. I gotta I gotta add one thing to that, and it's something I was, you know, in in, in what you just said. 
the the necessity or the usage of co-op is such an underrated thing. Like I think it's always cool when you can always have a friend join either on either via online or local and help you in the game. I think it just adds a different element to it, which I think would be pretty cool. I think, you know, I I liked and I remember I believe it was Tekken uh Street Fighter Cross Tekken where you and your friend could play on the same team as each fighter against right. against opponents. And I thought that, you know, it was an innovative way to play the game because yeah, I could play against you, you could play against me, but if we're collectively two solid players and we go online to to challenge other people, it, it changes the dynamic and it gives people a different way to enjoy the experience. I mean, you know, I started playing Titanfall 2 and, you know, I had said to you, I'm like, Titanfall needs a story mode. So they added a story mode to the game and the game is pretty solid. Don't get me wrong. I, I you know, I played online when they had the online, the demo, and I had a fucking blast. But I was like, see, story mode, while not absolutely positively necessary at least makes it a funner not funner a a, a a more enjoyable game to play and on top of that and on top of that the skills you acquire by playing it in story mode you can go online and just be a better player the biggest problem that again this is my personal view and if anybody in any gaming company is listening if you agree with me Run with it, please. The problem with multiplayer today is that essentially they're all the same. Make your multiplayer fit the type of game you have. Like Rise of the Tomb Raider, for example, during the narrative, the, the story of Rise of the Tomb Raider, at various points, Lara Croft has helped. Right. So they, their co-op makes a lot of sense because in the survival mode, it's two people. Right. At any given time, the most help that she really has is one other person. Right. So two people makes perfect sense. A game like Tekken or King of Fighters, having two on two or three on three, three people makes perfect sense. Right. Titanfall, okay. Titanfall, yeah, multiplayer, but you have a very unique opportunity that they did not even... I don't know if they did or not, because I'm not on their development team, but it looks like they didn't even explore. Which is one person playing as the Titan and one person playing as the guy? There you go. Thank you. Because you have a man and you have a sentient machine. You got a fucking Optimus Prime right there for you. That's right. How did you not see the value in letting somebody control that mech? I agree. The mech can still operate when the man's not in there. That's right. showed that from the trailer. Correct. How awesome would it be if you and I are playing and I come in, you're like, yo, take over my mech. And you're running around shooting and I'm beating the shit out of everything in sight in that mech. That's right. No, I I agree. I think that there's, you know, there's, there's a necessity for the multiplayer because, again, it's becoming such a big thing. But I also feel that co-op is an incredibly underrated feature. I just feel that when it comes to a lot of these games, you got to remember, again, what made people fall in love with these titles in the first place. And you have to take that and you have to make that better or, or, or in each incarnation, whether it's improving the graphics, improving the story, uh, you know, adding additional characters, whatever the case may be. You have to continue to improve that and then fork off from there. 
not all of a sudden go, yeah, I think multiplayer would be great for this game because multiplayer, you know? It's not necessarily wrong to say that, but tailor the multiplayer for the experience. Right. And that's what nobody seems to be doing. Nope, I get it. You're right. That's 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 a good way to to sum it up. I mean, you know, if if you were playing if you were playing a game where it's co-op and I mean, even in the case of and this is a great example, look at the the new God of War. I'm sure and nobody even thought about it and maybe they did where one player can play as Kratos and one player can play as his son. Why not? Well, I mean, there's still time there's still time for that, so hopefully No, of course, but that's that's, that's something that at least is an option. Correct. That's that's all I wanted to to say about that. Now, with with that said, you know, we have officially we got uh what do we got? How many what do we got till Christmas? Uh two weeks? Two weeks before Christmas? How many? Two weeks, two days. All right. So we got two weeks, two days. And this will be a good way to, to close things out. With that said, what do what does a company like Microsoft, and I want to pose this to you first, need to do to ensure success with two weeks and two days left in 2016 going into the new year? Microsoft, honestly, and it, it really depends on what they have because, again, this is just from my own personal experience. The reason why I don't own an Xbox One is they haven't shown me anything that I personally want to own yet. That's the only reason why I don't have one. Okay. So they need to. I, I don't know if they even have anything, but if they had something like the PlayStation Experience, they need to show some first-party titles, or even if it's third-party developers just for them. They need to show some new IPs that aren't out yet that are going to wow. Like, I need to see, because it wasn't even at fucking E3, I need to see Crackdown, and I need to see that it's going to live up to not the last one. Fuck that game. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, and, and to that point, I'll add, I'll add the second part now. Go ahead. No, just, I need to see some, some titles that are going to wow people. Something that's not fucking Halo or Gears of War, because you got enough of that already. You need to do something different. Right now to that, to that point, what would you, what would you say Sony needs to do to stay at the top? I honestly, with it, with what we know so far, the 2017 lineup, they don't really have to do that much because, mm-hmm. again, we always say it's about the games, right? And they got the games. Okay. If they show anything else, it's like it's like what we always used to hear at NBA Jam: the nail in the coffin. Okay. Now, and and I'll add this: where do where does PlayStation VR fit into the equation this holiday season? For me, it doesn't. But exactly. Honestly, just to be fair, uh, like they they need more games that I think are like um, Robinson, the 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 journey, that, right? That game, and there was this other game where this I forgot the name of it, but like somebody crashed down on an alien planet, and like it it, it seemed more like an alien version of Robinson, the journey. Basically, they need games that look and feel more like games versus tech demos. Well. To that point, and now, you know, I'll share my answers from Microsoft with two weeks, two days of Christmas shopping remaining in 2016. I feel that knocking off that 50 bucks is a big deal. I also think I agree with that. I also think that if they were smart, 
they would have probably knocked off 75 on non-game bundled consoles. Like just base Xbox One S 500 gigs, you know, knock 75 bucks off. Again, with, uh, you know, two weeks, two days of shopping, knocking that $75 off is not going to kill you. You get what I'm saying? Or maybe do it for the last week. Exactly. Because what you do then is you create not only an appealing price point, but for those of us like you that are now in a single console home, you may want to rethink it because you're like, damn, it's not really hurting my pocket if I pick that up. You know what I'm saying? Well, again, I'm a bad example for that because there's there's nothing, unless they literally canceled the the Scorpio, there's no way in hell that I'm buying an Xbox. Right, right. But Well, I'm just, again, just using you as the, as the, as the case in point. You know, just I, from a no, price perspective... It, you know, if you saw it and you're like, hey, I'd, I'd pick that up. Like we were just saying with the with the switch, it's like, hey, it's tax season. The console looks all right. The price point is is decent. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. What's the worst that could happen? Now, to to uh, to that point, I was like I said, you know, the the fifty dollar drop is definitely huge. I also feel that they should take advantage of more of these deals that companies are doing. You know, Best Buy, Target, where you even Best Buy I think got in on it this week, where they were doing buy two get one free on games. Or buy one, get one half off. They need to take advantage of more of that stuff because I think that's going to be a big factor. And I think that, you know, tying that into some sort of a console purchase, like, hey, if you buy if you buy X game and you get a bundle, we'll give you that game. And if you buy the two and get one free, you know, we'll knock off X amount of money on the two games that you purchase. You know what like like something to that point, I think. It would be it would be an interesting value prop for them to leverage on the flip side. uh, Sony, for them to stay in their number one slot like they've been, I think they need to continue to obviously put themselves out there the way they've had with with all the amazing titles. But I also feel that what they should have done when they dropped the PS4 Pro was they should have done a decent price drop on the regular base PS4. I think that would have, you know, to to oh, quote. I thought they had. No, but I mean, like aggressively, like again for the holidays, not permanently, but hey, for the holidays, if you buy, and not even the regular PS4, but if you did, let's say, a PS4 Slim, and you said, hey, we're gonna do a PS4 Slim, you could buy it for X amount for the next, you know, ten days. To 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 quote what you just said, that would be a nail in the coffin type of a move, you know. Gotcha. And, you know, to to add one more for in Nintendo's case, Nintendo is smart by obviously, you know, dropping the two Pokemon games right for the holiday season. So I think that Nintendo utilized their strategy accordingly. And what they did was I think they've come to the conclusion that they're not they're not going to win the holiday season, but they're definitely going to put a dent in the holiday season. And they've accepted that because they're already shifting focus towards 2017 with the switch. Which, by the way, they're saying is probably going to play GameCube games, which I'm not shocked about via the virtual console. That's great, though. Yep. So a couple a couple of, of decent improvements. And I figured we would use that as a good way to kind of put the the cap on it. But I know that, you know, when we do the shows next week, you know, it's going to be a effective, uh, essentially our year end shows in, in some capacity. So, you know, at least by touching on this now, when we go into it next week, we can talk about the stuff that made the impact in 2016. 
Is there anything else you wanted to add, my friend? Mm, no, nah, not right now. All right, cool. I appreciate the assist as always, my friend. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, brother. Peace. Peace. That was our very own Slick, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure to check out his streams on YouTube. We will have links for that in the show notes for this episode. Now, with that said, entertainment is a little light, so we're going to wrap up the gaming and switch gears and jump into some entertainment stuff. Let's get to it, shall we? Right. So on the entertainment side of things, I kind of want to get the ball rolling with um, something that I read about and I was interested in because it's video game related and it's a it's a great way to, to transition from the gaming into the entertainment side of things. And as many of you know, there's been a, a lot of conversation about Sonic the Hedgehog uh, coming to the big screen. And obviously we've seen Sonic on the small screen in numerous incarnations and numerous cartoons over the years. Uh, same thing with comics. And it's interesting because Sega properties have always been interesting for me personally, because I've always felt that there was a lot that could be done with them. And I think that Hollywood understands that because it looks like Sega is looking to bring both Altered Beast and Streets of Rage onto the big screen and the small screen. Obviously, looking at both of those series, you'd say to yourself, I'm shocked it hasn't been done yet. But while Altered Beast, you could have a lot of fun with it. If, and if the effects budget is good, you know, you can do something along the lines of what's being done with Underworld. I do think that something like Street, like Streets of Rage, if done correctly, can become a video game version of what the Fast and Furious franchise is. You know, if you guys played Streets of Rage on Genesis, you know that it started with two cops uh, taking the fight to Mr. X and his organization which then obviously led to Streets of Rage 2 and, you know, uh, you know, some other characters joined, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the way to Streets of Rage 3, which just got really fucking crazy. But I say this because I think that a property like that, if done right, would would fare rather well. You know, we look at we look at games and games are, of course, their own art form, but we also look at them as, you know, movies, because like when we played and as I mentioned to Slick earlier, you know, when I played Assassin's Creed, I I fell in love with the story and the way that it was done and the amount of detail that was that was applied and how the story affected and tied into real world events. I thought it was very smart and very impressive. And here we are now a couple of weeks out with Assassin's Creed coming to the big screen and sure it could suck, sure it could be terrible, but we're going to see if something that was done with such a deep story can translate well to screen. Now, Altered Beast, like I said, eh, the jury's still out for me, but I do think that something like Streets of Rage, if done right, could become its own franchise. Even Sonic the Hedgehog, we saw what they did with Wreck-It Ralph and, and the way they did that and the amount of, of you know fan service that was in that film. I think you could do something like that with Sonic the Hedgehog on a on the small screen or even on the big screen people people like the character they they've always they've always been a fan of the character and this is something like I said to slick in the game segment 
when you create characters that are that iconic and you see them on the big screen, you're going to support it just because you're interested in checking it out. That's that's just how it is. I mean, you know, when they did the Mario Brothers movie with John Leguizamo and Bob Hoskins, I went to see that festering pile of garbage in the movie theater as a kid because I was like, it's it's Mario. I'm going to go see it. Obviously, now that I'm older, it's like, God, was that movie the worst thing known to mankind? But still, you know, you it's it's seeing something from your childhood or something you grew up with and and you pray that it's going to be done well. And, you know, sometimes that's the case and sometimes it's not. Now, like I said, in terms of the two properties, I think there's definitely a viable opportunity with Streets of Rage over Altered Beast. But, you know, we're going to be monitoring the story closely and seeing how that's going to pan out. But like I said, I think, um, you know, there's all they're also talking about possibly doing something with Shinobi, which I think would be pretty badass. Shinobi is another great title that had some, you know, a really solid story behind it. I, I think there's definitely potential there as well. But again, it's a story that's just beginning to take shape and we will have more for you guys uh, as the story develops. Now, the next bit of news I was going to kind of lump into the what the fuck movie news category. But then as I read what the story was about, I was I realized that it just seemed interesting, albeit you know, people are going to complain about this till the ends of time. So Amy Schumer, who many of you know is a stand-up comedian, um, it was announced that Mattel and Sony Pictures are going to be do are going to be doing a live action Barbie. Now the thing is that Schumer is going to be playing a misfit that lives in the land of perfect Barbies. She too will be a Barbie in the film, and of course it's going to be you know she's in the in, in this bar in this perfect Barbie world. Then she comes to the real world where her being and looking different turns into an asset. Um, you know, they're, they're saying that it's kind of going to be a, a spin on, you know, beauty and identity and all this stuff. And in an era of bullying and body shaming and everything, I knew that as soon as that announcement came out, that people were going to be like, what the fuck? You know, because Amy Schumer has been a, a, a an individual, you know, she, she's been a lady who's been under, uh, a lot of scrutiny. People are always talking about, you know, physical appearance, et cetera, et cetera. And I said to myself, so you're going to do a movie about Barbie and Amy Schumer's your lead. And um, yeah, I and I said to myself, this is going to escalate quickly. And no sooner did I finish reading that than I saw on Twitter that somebody's like Amy Schumer's Barbie on what fucking planet did, who, did anybody say that was a good idea? I was like, oh, here we go. And of course, the story picked up a lot of steam and you know people were like you know we we don't know the specifics for the movie but after i read the the little blurb about the plot i understood that much like much like barbie in the store the movie is looking at it as a whole entire universe with barbie not just being the one person which as somebody who has you know young ladies in their household i know i know what it's like to to take a a, a little girl into the store to buy a Barbie and sometimes they're looking for a Barbie that looks like them. And I think that that's one of those things that people, people have lost sight of like, yes, you know, Amy Schumer is not the quote unquote Barbie that everybody aspires for, but you know what? Not every woman you look at looks like fucking Barbie either. And you know, to be honest, it's like the, the girl you wake up next to every morning, she might not be fucking Barbie either. So, 
it's it's like again it's easy to just go eh, you know it's fucking but but i also look at it from the from the standpoint of we are we all look different we speak different we behave differently and at the end of the day we always look towards the people that are that you know that we feel comfortable with and i'll give you an example i remember working in an area in in new york city called flushing which is an Asian neighborhood, which I've talked about on numerous episodes. And it was funny because guys would come in and they would they would want to buy a certain product. And you'd have a guy that was Chinese and he would say, hey, is this a Korean product? And my boss would be like, mm, I'm not sure. Why? Oh, well, you know, we don't like to buy things from Korea or a Chinese person or a, a Korean person would come in and be like, oh, is this made in Japan? And we'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. And these are the things that exist. This is the kind of shit that happens. And this is back then in the in the 90s. I mean, you know, people people are always going to put their prejudices out there in a in a way that they try to make it seem like it's still acceptable. And I look at, you know, I looked at this news story and I said, you know what? It's very easy for me to do a what the fuck news story and say, what the fuck is Amy Schumer doing playing Barbie? Then I read what the story was going to be about, and I said, hmm, doing it that way, I would be part of the problem in theory. So I'm going to address it just like a regular news story. And the more I read about it and the more commentary I saw on Twitter and social media, the more I said to myself, yeah, I'm just going to report this normally and give my thoughts on it versus what the fuck is Amy Schumer doing playing Barbie? Because guess what? The story has a different concept. So. I'm going to see how it pans out and that's that's pretty much it. I'm not I'm not going to fucking beat it to death because I think that Amy Schumer and Mattel and Sony Pictures are going to be dealing with that until the film comes out anyway, so why pile on and add to the bullshit? <laughs> Simple as that. Anyway, moving along on the box office side of things, Moana once again held on to the number 1 slot raking in another $28.4 million, bringing its total to $119.9 million. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them holds in uh, holds down the number two slot. Arrival is at number three. Allied is at number four. Doctor Strange still holding on in the top five, bringing its additional $6.5 million in and now making its total $215.3 million. Trolls was number six. Hacksaw Ridge was number seven. Bad Santa 2 was number eight. Incarnate was number nine. And Almost Christmas came in at number 10. As we all know, Star Wars Rogue One is around the corner. And I have a feeling that when it's all said and done, the box office totals will probably read Rogue One in the number one slot, Moana in number two, and Fantastic Beasts in number three. I just, that's how I see that going uh, next week. But We'll see what happens. I've heard uh, interesting things about Star Wars Rogue One. I will be checking it out, so be on the lookout for a review when the film hits theaters on RageWorks.net. That's for damn sure. It wouldn't be an entertainment segment without some Marvel news, and it looks like we will be seeing a second season of Luke Cage on Netflix. Marvel and Netflix officially confirmed the news via their Twitter account, and um, it's going to be an interesting year because 2017, we're going to see... The Defenders, which is due in 2017, and of course, we're also going to be seeing The Punisher, which is also on deck. So at the latest, we'll probably be seeing a second season of Luke Cage in 2018, but I will say that 
it's a it was it was not a shocker to me that Luke Cage would be getting a second season considering how well received season one was. Now the Defenders, as I was saying, is um happening in 2017 and that's going to be an eight part series we're also going to be getting uh iron fist which i believe is in march 2017 and you know it's 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 amazing what marvel's been doing on the netflix side of things and how that continues to grow and the popularity of the characters continues to lead to additional seasons i think it's uh it's very very interesting and i'm looking forward to seeing what they do with luke cage's character because i think there's still a lot more of his story that can be told. That's for damn sure. Now, Slick was talking about Tomb Raider earlier in the episode. And, you know, I said a couple of weeks back that we were going to get a rebooted Tomb Raider film, which is scheduled for release March 16, 2018. Now, this Tomb Raider film um, obviously is going to focus on Lara Croft's younger days. And Variety's reporting that Walton Goggins or Walt Goggins, depending on how you Uh, What show you're watching that he's in has actually been tapped to play the villain in the upcoming Tomb Raider reboot. Um, I believe it's Alicia Vikander who will be playing the role of Lara Croft. Um, Again, Tomb Raider is another series that much like Uncharted is tailor made for big screen, uh, a big screen adaptation just because of the way that the story is. And, you know, the the influence from Indiana Jones, Uh, I think Uncharted is equally you know, qualified to be a big screen film. And we knew that there was going to be an uncharted movie at one point and it kind of fell by the wayside and what Mark Wahlberg was involved. And then he wasn't and all these challenges. But I think both tomb Raider and uncharted are games that definitely would make amazing films. I'm curious to see how the reboot for tomb Raider goes. The Angelina Jolie versions of the film were okay. I think the first film was, was all right. I felt the second film kind of, push the envelope on the campiness but i think that at the time angelina jolie did a hell of a job in that in those films and um we'll see what happens with this rebooted series i mean the rebooted games have been amazing so i can only hope that you know the 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 film is equally as good but we shall wait and see now last bit of entertainment news to wrap things up is uh, you know some reboot news This time, courtesy of the animated side of things, and that is that Disney XD put out their first teaser trailer for the revival of DuckTales. Uh, DuckTales was a cartoon that I watched um, in the 80s growing up, and it followed Scrooge McDuck and Donald Duck's nephews along with Launchpad McQuack. There were numerous episodes. Most of it took place in Duckburg. Uh, Some of the villains were Magicka Dispel, which was a, a... a um a witch and the beagle boys ducktales was an incredibly awesome cartoon which also had an amazing fucking game if you were a gamer and you had an nes you know what i'm talking about with ducktales and scrooge mcduck doing the pogo stick with his cane it was you know that's that's one of those games that you you just you pick it up and before you know it you've played it two or three hours and you haven't put down the controller and to to see that they're going to reboot it now for a new generation is going to be very interesting. Um, this rebooted interpretation of DuckTales hits Disney XD summer 2017. Now, the first season is going to have 21 half-hour episodes as well as two one-hour episodes. So they're definitely going all in with this DuckTales reboot. Again, summer 2017 is when you can expect it on Disney XD. Now, also... 
I was reading about the U.S. debut of Dragon Ball Super, which I've actually been watching the um, Japanese version. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that debut. Uh, you know, when it comes to the U.S., uh, Dragon Ball Super has been bananas thus far, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing it here and just having it on my DVR and watching it in English. Not that I don't mind reading subtitles, I don't, but, you know, sometimes I just feel lazy and just want to fucking enjoy it. And I'm also excited for the upcoming season of Voltron, which um, should be hitting Netflix before the year is out, if I'm correct. If I'm not, I'll have an, an official date next week. But, um, yeah, there's there's definitely some great stuff on deck if you're, a, you know, a fan of some of the stuff from the 80s that we grew up with. And uh, definitely on the Netflix side of things, that's for sure. Anyway. I think that bit of news is a perfect way to close out this week's entertainment segment. And with that said, we're also going to close out this week's episode of My Take Radio. So I've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment this week. I would always love to hear yours. Feel free to hit us up on social media. On Twitter, you have your choice of at My Take Radio or at Rage underscore works. If you're on Facebook, you got options there as well. You can become a fan of Rageworks on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash official Rageworks, or you can join our Facebook group, interact with me, Slick, and the rest of the Rageworks team, as well as our listeners and readers, and talk about gaming, entertainment, MMA, wrestling, movies, you name it, we cover it there, plus, you know, a couple of other things in between, but definitely a great community there. If you'd like to be a part of it, just punch in Rageworks, and you should be able to join without any difficulty whatsoever you can also find rageworks on instagram as i said earlier in the show and on snapchat as well we also have a presence on google plus which um crickets out there that's for damn sure also we have boards on pinterest if pinterest is your thing we do you know pin a couple of things there relating to some of the stuff we cover as well as for tonight's episode you can find it on itunes stitcher and tune in radio within 24 to 48 hours of air date Obviously, I got to edit it and get it prepared, but you will be able to find it there. If you prefer a video version of the show, you can find it same time, 24 to 48 hours on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official Rageworks. Just a reminder, we have our Star Wars Black Series contest going on right now. Details can be found on Rageworks.net, and we also have the contest information pinned on our Facebook fan page, check it out. You can win an awesome uh, Clone Trooper box set courtesy of Rageworks and Entertainment Earth. Also, if you're a fan of the Variant Issue, make sure to join us starting next week for our 12 Days of Christmas giveaway. Uh, myself and Jimbo Slice are going to make one lucky person every day up until Christmas. Uh, we're going we're gonna to make their day a little better by giving them a gift card courtesy of Newberry Comics. Again, you can get info for that when the contest goes live starting the 13th and running through the 12 days of Christmas. All right, guys, on behalf of myself and Slick, thank you guys for tuning into the gaming and entertainment edition of My Take Radio. Join us next Wednesday at 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific for the MMA and wrestling edition of MTR, uh, one of two of the final shows for the month of December and for 2016. I hope you guys will join us. Thank you guys for watching. Peace. Oh, it's <laughs>